One of the wonderful realities that we have as children of God is that we can go to God in prayer. Uh, it's a vital part of our faith. It should be a, an active and vital part of each one of our lives. But the reality is many Christians struggle. Uh, struggle in their prayer life. Uh, last week we talked about uh, the busy and distracted life and that our lives always pull us away, oftentimes pull us away from our time with God. Uh, we also may struggle with our prayer life because we feel unworthy. Uh, unworthy that we can go to God and, and that He would want to hear from us. Or sometimes we may just feel inadequate. I don't know what to say. Uh, how, can, how, how can someone like me just know how to talk to God? Um, God's Word speaks to this. Uh, we're going to see instruction from our Savior today on how to pray. And so I would encourage you, if, if you struggle in your prayer life, this passage today is a really helpful, has a really helpful tool in what to pray, what to take to God. And we're going to see that. But also in this instruction from Jesus on prayer, we're also going to see a lot of instruction about our faithful God. And so that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today in this text. And I've titled the sermon, Lessons from Jesus about God and Prayer. So I'm going to read for us Luke 11, 1 through 13, and then I'll pray for us. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1, he was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not bring us into temptation. He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and goes to him at midnight, and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because of a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give, you, and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... 
how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let's pray. God, Your Word is good and true. Teach us today. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to the truth here. Help us believe and help us respond. And God, for this vital part of our faith, the topic of prayer, help us be encouraged to be faithful in this today. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So as I mentioned in the introduction, where the way that we're going to work through this text is to see what it is that we, ha- we can learn about our God from Jesus' instruction on prayer. And the first point I want us to see is this. God desires an intimate relationship with us. God desires an intimate relationship with us. With us. It's something that he wants to have. It's something that he sought out. And so let's look back at the first two verses from Luke 11. He, this is speaking about Jesus, of course, he was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be be honored as holy and your kingdom come. So as we've seen in other parts of this gospel alone, Jesus was faithful in his prayer life. He oftentimes would pull away from the crowds, pull away from others and spend time going to God, speaking with his father. Our Savior was a faithful individual in His prayer life. And so finally, as the disciples have been walking with Him, likely for over two years now, one of the disciples goes to Him and says, Jesus, would You teach us? Right? Jesus is being faithful again in prayer. And when He finishes, the disciple says, would You teach us how to pray? Uh, you, you spend so much time with God. Would you show us how to do it? Would you teach us how to do it? And he references that uh, John's disciples taught, uh, were taught by John how to pray. And that was a common practice for rabbis to teach their uh, disciples uh, prayers that they could take to God. And so one of the disciples asked Jesus, would you teach us? Now, he's been modeling a life of prayer already. He's already been teaching them in this that uh, your prayer life is important. Like, you can go to God. You can request God to do things for you. So he's already been teaching them. And then in verse 2 through verse 4, we have a model prayer that he's going to give the disciples. You can pray these things. When you go to God, pray this way. And so in verse 2, we see that Jesus introduces a really important truth concerning our prayer life. And that is who it is that we are talking to. Who it is that we are making these requests to when we pray to God. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father. Father. 
That is an important thing to understand when we go to God as children of God and pray and make requests of Him is that God has created a way for us to have a close, intimate, personal relationship with Him. It's what He desires is to have this close relationship. Jesus came to accomplish this. And so Jesus says, you can, when you pray, go to your God as your Father. That's why you can make these kind of requests. is because He is your heavenly Father. We have a close personal relationship. Dana Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lowly, says, Who is God the Father? And I love his uh, description to help us with this. He's just that, our Father. Now, some of us had great dads growing up, and others were horribly mistreated and abandoned by them. Whatever the case, the good in our earthly father, the good in our earthly dads, is just a faint pointer to the true goodness of our heavenly father. And the bad in our earthly dads is the photo negative of who our heavenly father is. God is our good and loving Father. And with that kind of close personal relationship, we can go to Him. We can ask Him to do things. We can ask Him to work in our lives. And then the rest of verse 2, we see that with that close, intimate, personal relationship, that, that we are praying for God's glory. We're praying for God's rule in our own lives and in our, uh, in, in our world. And so the rest of verse 2 says, Your name be honored as holy and your kingdom come. God, make your name revered. Make your name holy, set apart. Let people respect you for being the good, loving Father that you are and rule in this world and rule in my life because of who you are. Now, this kind of language of praying for, uh, praying to God and speaking to God as your Father was not common up until Jesus' ministry. God was known as the Father of the nation of Israel, but individuals did not speak of God as their Father. They did not address God as Father. That was not the normal way to address God. But because of who Jesus is, God the Son, who came into this world to redeem us, we can now relate to God as a Father, as a loving Father. And Galatians tells us that this is what God desired, and this is what He accomplished through sending Jesus. And so Galatians 4, verse 4 through 7, we see this. When the time came to completion, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir 
God desires this close, personal relationship with us. He sent Jesus Christ to die in our place because of our sins so that we could have this relationship. What an amazing truth that if we have trusted in Jesus, that we are children of God... Heirs of God, Romans says, co with Christ, meaning we deserve and will receive the inheritance that Christ deserves as the divine Son of God. This is what God wanted. This is what He sent Jesus to accomplish, is a close, personal, intimate relationship with us. And that leads us to the next thing. Because of this close, intimate, personal relationship, God desires to meet our needs. God wants us to pray to Him, and He desires to answer our prayers and to meet the needs that we have. And so now the prayer turns. Jesus, as He continues in His instruction on prayer, it turns to requesting God to meet those needs. Verses 3 and 4, back in Luke 11. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us and do not bring us into temptation. So the first request for needs from Jesus here is physical needs. God, sustain us. Give me what I need for today. Meet my needs. Not necessarily meet all of my wants, but meet the needs that I have. Provide for me today. Now, our culture, for many of us, uh, we're a little bit removed from this idea of needing daily provision. Or recognize, let me, let me rephrase that, recognizing our need for daily provision, right? We don't see it when our pantries are full and our freezers and our fridges are full. We may not recognize the real need that we have for God to provide for us. But that doesn't mean that He doesn't provide for us. And so with this prayer, you can ask God, please meet my needs. We can thank God. Thank you for meeting my needs. And then the next verse, verse 4, leads into praying about our spiritual needs. So moving from physical needs to praying about the, the spiritual needs that we have. God, forgive us. So we are all sinners and we all still sin. No matter how long we've been on this life of faith with Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are still sinners. And when we sin, we should confess that. And we should ask God to forgive us. And He wants us to ask for forgiveness. And with that, we see... A really hard, but uh, an important truth tied to this. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. As people who've received much forgiveness and who are in need of constant forgiveness, there is 
uh, tied to this an understanding that we should be a forgiving people. And when you've been sinned against, uh, when you've been harmed by someone, uh, that's a real challenge. Uh, and I think what's important for us to see in Jesus' instruction in tying these two together of forgive us and then with this a request of help me be a forgiving person. Help me recognize that I'm forgiven. I've received constant forgiveness and I'm in need of constant forgiveness. And so create in me the ability to forgive uh, even when it's hard, uh, even when I don't think I can. And I shared this uh, maybe a month or two ago, if you remember the Corey Ten Boom story about speaking. And she had been in a concentration camp, uh, and she was speaking uh, at a church, and she recognized one of the guards that was at her camp that was known for his cruelty. Uh, and he came up to greet her afterwards and to tell her what an amazing truth it is that, he, that someone like him could receive forgiveness. And he reached out to shake her hand and she couldn't move. And she knew she needed to shake his hand. And she prayed. And she finally had to say, God, I need you to give me your forgiveness. I, I can't do this. And in that request of God... I, I need you to work here. She was able to reach out her hand and she said, in that moment, I realized that forgiveness is not only something that God requires of us, but it's also something that He gives to us to be able to give. Because on her own, it wasn't possible. And that's true for us when we've been sinned against in a hurtful, harmful way. We need God to work in us and remind us of the forgiveness that we've received and we need Him to be able to help us demonstrate forgiveness. And then the last of the spiritual requests here, do not bring us into temptation. Do not bring us to temptation. Now, uh, this is not a request of saying, God, don't tempt me. Uh, scripture in James t- teaches us that God does not tempt us But the request is a kind of an admission. As a sinner, we are drawn away from God. Our hearts are drawn to sin. And we need God to work, right? We need God to change us. We need God to guard us. Because without the Spirit of God working in me, I will always be drawn away to sin. And so... God, don't bring us into temptation is the request of God. Protect me from the temptations that I'm so prone to go to. Uh, so the, the, the sins that I want to uh, commit, please guard me, protect me from that. Jesus included all of these in His instruction on prayer Because one, we need God in all of these areas. We need God for our physical provision and we need God for our spiritual provision. But also He included these in the prayer because this is what God wants us to pray for. 
God desires us to go to Him with our physical needs and with our spiritual needs. He wants us to pray for these and He wants to meet those needs. First Peter, we see this. First Peter 5 and verse 7. Casting all your cares on Him because He cares about you. Casting all of your cares, not some of your cares, all of your cares, everything that burdens you, everything that weighs you down, cast that on God. Take that to God. Why? Because He cares. He cares about the things that are going on. He cares about your needs. He wants us to bring them to Him. And what good news it is. That a needy person like me has a God that says, bring it to me. Come to me. Make the request. Ask me for these needs. That is good news. And that leads us to the third point, which is really, really important for us. Those of us who are needy. And that point is this. God does not grow weary of us. God does not grow weary of us. See, dealing with needy people, if you have ever dealt with some for a long time, the reality is it can wear on you at times, right? It it can get to the point where you're just like, all right, I'm at the end. I, I, I I don't think I have much left to give here. Uh, this is just too much. And in our sinful hearts and in our sinful minds, what happens is a lot of times we think, that's got to be how God thinks about me. He's got to just be fed up. Like, really? You, you need this again? You need forgiveness for that again? Didn't you pray for the thousandth time that you would never do that again and you want forgiveness again? We think that must be how God thinks of us. And this section that Jesus instructs us is helping us see that's not who our God is. God does not get tired of you. He does not grow weary of you. Verses 5-10 through 10, He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Opened. Jesus uses this parable uh, to teach, a story to teach them 
Uh, now, culturally, the differences uh, may make it hard. And then also the, the story alone, uh, apart from what Jesus explains after this, may, we may miss what Jesus is trying to say, but this was a culture that highly valued hospitality. It was a, an embarrassment and a shame if someone came to you and you didn't have things to offer them, to care for them in their needs. And so Jesus says, think about it like this. If, if you have a friend that shows up in the middle of the night and is worn out and needs food and you've got nothing for them, what an embarrassment for you. So you go to a neighbor and cry out in the middle of the night, I, please give me something because I have someone that has need in my home. Now the part that we might start to wonder, what is he saying about God here? In this story, it goes on to say, you know, at first the guy re- refuses and says, well, it's in the middle of the night. My kids are asleep. I'm asleep. Everything's locked up. I'm not going to give you anything. But then he says, so just because he's a friend, he may not get up for that. But because of his shameless boldness, because of his boldness, surely he will get up and give him everything that he needs. And the point of this story, Jesus goes on to say, is you can keep going to God. Uh, you can keep making requests to God. And that does not mean that it, you have to kind of cause God to get tired of listening to you. But He doesn't get tired of your request. And so verses 9 through 10 pick up on this idea of boldness and persistence in prayer. Not to change God's mind, but to trust that I can keep taking my needs to God. So I say to you and ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. The, the original language, that is written in a verb form that means a kind of a constant. It's not a one-time request. So R. Kent Hughes says essentially what that is saying is keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. You can continue to go to God over and over and over with your needs. You don't have to worry that He's going to get tired of you and say, Okay, enough. I don't want to deal with you anymore. And the point of the story is to say, Look, if a a human being would be willing to get up and give whatever is needed to someone because they boldly make a request of them in the middle of the night, surely you can trust your loving God. Your loving Father will gladly receive your request. He will not get tired of you. The book of Hebrews tells us this. Hebrews 4, verse 15 through 16, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, 
let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Did you have to ask God for forgiveness this morning for something from last night or from something while you were getting ready? You can go to God with boldness. He wants you to continue to come to Him. He doesn't grow weary of you. Charles Spurgeon says this, If he could grow weary of me, he would have been tired of me a long time ago. If he had not loved me with a love as deep as hell and as strong as death, he would have turned from me long ago. God will not grow weary of you. And so, as a needy person, you may think, surely he's tired of hearing from me. Surely he's tired of these same requests for forgiveness, same requests for needs. And God's Word says that's not who God is. He doesn't get tired of you. And you can boldly come and make big requests of our God because He loves you and He wants you to come to Him. And that leads us to our last point. God can be trusted to give us good gifts. God can be trusted to give us good gifts. Verses 11 through 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus uses a, an argument that's kind of known as the, like, if the lesser is true, then surely you can trust that the greater would be true also. And so He says, just think about your, your own dads. Think about fathers in general. If their children come to them and make a request for something good that they need, what father would turn around and give them something harmful? Now, in our broken world, yes, there are abusive parents. Uh, but the norm would be that Parents understand if, if a child has a, a good gift that they need, they will gladly give them that and would not want to give them something harmful. And so Jesus is making that argument. If, if you understand that just dads on earth know how to give good gifts, surely you can trust that your loving Heavenly Father wants to give you good gifts, can be trusted for to give you good gifts. And so if you ask Him for something, you don't have to worry, is He going to give me something harmful? Is He going to give me something cruel? He wants to give us good gifts. Now, it's important that we understand, of course, our prayers are not like getting the genie in the bottle to grant us whatever our wish is, right? Uh, just because we ask God for something and are persistent and bold in asking for that does not mean that He necessarily is going to grant that request. We don't understand everything that God is doing. Uh, 
But what Jesus is reminding us is what God gives you, you can trust that it is good. And sometimes we ask God to do things. And we ask God to work in certain ways. And in our minds, we can't think that this has to be a good request. Surely this is something that God would want to give me. And He may not answer the prayer the way that we want. And that doesn't mean that God is not good. It's that He is doing things greater than we can see and more than we can understand And He can be trusted. What He gives us will be good. We can trust Him for that. Paul in Romans helps us see if He's given us the greatest thing, which is salvation in His Son, if He's given us the gift of Jesus, surely we can can trust Him to give us other good things. And so in Romans 8, verse 32 He did not even spare His own Son, but offered Him up for us all. How will He not also grant us everything, or every good thing, the things that we need, God will give us. He may not answer all of our prayers the way that uh, we want Him to, but we can trust that He will give us good things. He can always be trusted with that. And so in Jesus' instruction about prayer, yes, we've been given a model. And I would encourage us to use this as a model for our prayers. You don't have to, it's not that you have to recite it perfectly uh, in this specific order, but these are the things that we can take to God. These are the things that God wants us to take to Him. Prayer for God's glory in this world. God's rule in our own hearts and God's rule in this world. And then prayer for our own needs, our physical needs and our spiritual needs. He wants to meet those. And He wants to have that kind of close, personal relationship with us. And so, first and foremost, if you don't have that relationship with God... Uh, with Him being a loving Father to you, we want you to know that He has done everything necessary to make that available to you. He sent His Son to die for your sins so that you could be forgiven. And if you would just believe in Jesus, then you would be adopted as one of His children. You will be a son or a daughter of God. And you will have this close, personal relationship with Him. So, if you want to know more about that, I would love to speak with you. I'd love to share the good news of the Gospel of what God has accomplished for you. And you can fill out one of the the yellow cards on the back of the seats uh, and just say that you'd like to schedule a meeting with the pastor or you can catch me after the service. And I'd love to, to share the good news with you. Now, church, because of what we've learned about who our loving Father is. Let's commit to an active prayer life. And yes, sometimes our world is distracting. And yes, sometimes it's hard to know what we need to pray or how to pray. 
But we've been reminded today that God desires this close relationship with us. He has done what is necessary to make it to where we can have this relationship. And He wants us to bring our requests to Him. He wants us to come to Him and ask Him for these things. And He won't get tired of us. He won't grow weary of us. And He desires and wants to give good gifts to us because He's a good, loving Father. And so let's commit to an active prayer life. Let's follow Jesus' model prayer as a guide of reminding us the things to pray for God's glory and for the needs that we have. He hears and He answers and He can be trusted to give us good things. Let's pray. God, we thank You for the reminder from Your Word. We thank You that You do hear us and You want us to come to You. You desire a close relationship with us. Sinners. God, thank You for caring about us. And thank You for creating a way for us to, uh, to bring our request to You and Your faithfulness to us, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.